This is Breaking Barriers, a new podcast from Matchworks, exploring remarkable stories about why work matters and how working is changing the lives of some incredible people, like those at Hotel Etico, Australia's first social enterprise hotel, giving hospitality trainees with intellectual disabilities the chance to reach their full potential. And Genu Gamer, an ingenious program using fantasy role play to help young people achieve a higher level of self-identity and confidence. More on Matchworks later. I'm Nat Jones. Now it's time to meet two ambitious young men with dreams of working in the sports industry. But where do you start in such a competitive business and just what does it take to get a job working alongside some of Australia's sporting heroes? Our first story takes us to the busy port city of Devonport, Tasmania. That's the home of young Josh Marshall, a passionate cricket fan from a sports-loving family. Forget the MCG, in early 2000, the Marshalls' backyard was where it was at. Big brother Aidan opening at the bowling on a pitch made from old pavers, little sister Kayla in the slips, and Josh at the crease channelling his hero, star batsman and fellow Taswegian Ricky Ponting. My whole sort of family's been heavily involved in sport my, my entire life. A lot of cricket as well. Grew up around the sort of local cricket club. My dad was president of the Nook Cricket Club. Mum ran the canine, so I was sort of there every Saturday my whole life. And then in the backyard with my, my older brother and my younger sister, every single day after school, me and my brother would be out there. We'd get home from, from school and it'd be straight into the backyard and, and starting games of cricket. It was always me sort of punching up, trying to trying to beat my older brother. He's... Quite, he's got a bit of size on me as well, so it was, it was a little bit unfair. I was probably spent a lot more time bowling than I did batting, that's for sure. I um, would bowl to him for hours and hours. I'd get him out and then I'd, I'd probably get out third ball or something like that. So, yeah, that was sort of the dynamic. It was, And then the games usually would end with me tucking, uh, chucking a tantrum and then uh, going and crying to mum or, or dad. So, yeah, pretty standard sort of backyard setup, I suppose. I had a brother, little brother set up. Despite best intentions, Josh had to concede that he was never going to make it to pro sports level. So he settled on a career in sports administration. But first, he had to get a degree, and to do that, he had to make a courageous decision. Leave family and friends in small-town Devonport, population some 22,000, and travel to Melbourne, a bustling city of some 3.5 million people. You see... The 19-year-old had been offered a placement to study sports management at esteemed La Trobe University. Yeah, moving over there, I was living on university campus, so it was pretty daunting going in, not knowing anyone really over there. And then, um, But I sort of had the attitude of everyone else is in, in the same boat. Um, they're all moving there with probably not knowing anyone. I think that was probably the thing mum was most scared about, that I was just going to eat McDonald's every single night and um, not be able to clean my own clothes. So um, it was a challenge, but... It was always it's very, very enjoyable. As it turned out, Josh and his mum needn't have worried. He made new friends, brushed up on his cooking and cleaning skills and got good grades at uni. Desperate to further his chances of employment, he did some volunteer work, helping out with matchday operations at Melbourne City Football Club. 
The 2021 A-League Premiers and Champions have a long-standing partnership with La Trobe University, focused around giving students the best industry opportunities available. For Josh, it was a clever move, one that would come back to benefit him in unexpected ways later. I think I learned a little bit about how match days work. You sort of turn up as a fan and you sort of see it all happen and then you sort of get to see the inner workings of a, of a match day and how it all sort of falls into place. But yeah, it was a really good experience and I knew that having volunteer experience was a massive thing, especially in the sporting industry. It shows you not only that you're keen, but that you're willing to work for free and that you're willing to try and gain experience as well. So I think that was an awesome opportunity. With the volunteer work over and a sports management degree under his belt, Josh was ready to search for his dream job. But nagging doubts remained. Could he really break into the business of sport, such a competitive and popular industry? I'd worked really hard and got really good marks through university, so I was, and obviously done a lot of volunteer work, so I was, I was really, really determined to, to find a job. But yeah, as we, I knew that there was probably a lot of people in my position as well, so that was the that was the challenging part. Really, when I was meeting with Dave, I was trying to find someone that could put the finishing touches on on what I had and try and take me to the the next level. I'd already had some a reasonably strong application, but I needed someone to help me put the final touches on it, and yeah, it really helped me sort of make it more a complete employee. Dave Devlin, Service Development Projects Trainer with Matchworks. What I do is deliver programs to our job seekers, both in the job active space and disability employment services space. Dave Devlin knows what makes employers tick, a super skill that comes in the form of careers advisor, motivator and mentor. More specifically, he's Matchworks' go-to guy for resume writing, decoding the job interview process and effective job searching. Since 2018, he's helped more than 70 Matchworks participants from all backgrounds and walks of life find meaningful work. And in 2019, it was time to see what he could do for Josh Marshall. It certainly helped that the pair had something in common. Talked to him about the program and I built a bit of rapport with Josh because he loves his cricket and I love my cricket as well. In some ways, he actually reminded me a little bit of a younger version of myself because of that love for sport. What really impressed me about him, he had a really positive attitude and, he, and I, I look for, always look for that in people, positive attitude and a bit of a work ethic and he appeared to have that. And in talking to Josh about his accomplishments in completing his studies and his volunteer work, you could see that he had those things in spades, that work ethic, that positive attitude. I could sense he was also pretty keen, desperate to get on with his career. He really wanted to get into some sort of sports administration where he could combine his interests and studies into a job. For him, I looked at it this way. It was about getting all his ducks lined up in a row. He'd had some obstacles, and I actually thought it was a fantastic thing he did, relocating from Tasmania to actually do those studies and do his volunteer work. So I thought that was fantastic. Dave saw Matchworks' City at Work program a perfect fit for the young sports enthusiast, an innovative solution for job seekers for those from cultural and linguistically diverse backgrounds. City at Work aims to fast-track pathways to employment by merging intensive employability training with weekly soccer sessions. A collaboration with Melbourne City Football Club through its charitable arm, City in the Community. Josh was back in his old stomping ground, and he loved it. I actually thought he was fantastic. Whether it was in the classroom or actually when we're doing the sporting drills, he always had a smile on his dial, just always had that positive energy and always a smile. Uh, we had a very diverse group too, so he actually worked in really well and got along with everybody. 
with Matchworks, what we do is use football. It's a great uh, icebreaker football itself. They get to know each other and also on that journey of the 10 days, they start to, we give them some more information um, about all the things you need for, for Ultimate when you go to get a, a job. It's about you know, unearthing, helping them give the skills to unearth what their actual background and experience is and what are their strengths and so forth to be able to articulate those and, and write them down. But it's also through the process we help give them some confidence, help with some basic communication skills. And this is all, again, um, just using football as the framework, as the, as the catalyst to, to do this. That's Melbourne City Football Club CEO Brad Rouse, and it pays to know a bit of background at this point. You see, even back in 2009 when the club was first founded, it had its heart in the right place, hence its name, Melbourne Heart, a group committed to social impact programs to empower people to lead better lives. Today, the club is part of a global revolution using the spirit of soccer to promote employment, social inclusion and physical activity. Fun, friendship and football all rolled into one. It comes under the banner of the City Football Group, the world's leading private owner and operator of football clubs across three continents that includes Manchester City, New York City and, of course, Melbourne City. Each group has pledged to address social issues through sport in their City in the Community charity, originally started by Manchester City more than 30 years ago. One of the key pillars for them was how we engage with the community. So not only did they want to see how we play and get results on the pitch, I don't think we are going too well at the time on the pitch, um, also how we run the club in terms of business operations and finances and you know being fiscally responsible. But the third part was that community side of things and how, how much we're doing in the community. And as Melbourne Heart, as I said, that was the founding club, the two main pillars of our brand were beautiful football and really engaged community and, and presence. And so we were very strong in that space what our biggest concern was when manchester came and took over was we were very worried that the thousands of hours and outreach we'd done in the community um, we were worried that they might try and pair that back but it was actually the perfect pairing because um, it was incredibly important for manchester city so when they took over our community program shut down it actually went the other way they they had uh, even further resource for us to invest further and and grow grow it larger than ever before Today, Melbourne City Football Club, through its charitable arm City in the Community, run a number of social impact programs, including several with Matchworks. Among them, City Start, combining job training and community migrant support with football training sessions for male job seekers. City Sisters, a program uniting football and job skills for unemployed women and underemployed female job seekers. City Pathways, for young people with disability or living with mental illness. And of course, City at Work, a fun fitness program with employability training for people like Josh Marshall. For one, he was impressed, particularly with how sport had given him a new confidence to kick his employment goals. Yeah, I think with sport, when you start, we sort of first meet everyone in sport. You're on a you're on a level playing field. You turn up and you meet everyone, and you're on the same field. Yeah, and you're wanting to work together, and you've got a common enjoyment. You've clearly got something in common right away, and I think that brings that brings a lot of people together from yeah all sorts of different backgrounds. And yeah, I think that that really helps sort of bring a lot of people together. So, what do you think you got out of the program in terms of the job skills aspect? I think I was very fortunate. The, I think the mock interview is a massive one. I think a lot of the time you turn up for a job interview and you get one sort of half an hour and then it's like half an hour to change your life right now. There's a lot of pressure on that. So it's probably not something you 
get very often get to practice. I think the things like learning about the yeah, various job skills and the things that employers are looking for and things like cover letters and resumes, I think that was all really, really helpful information. And then as well as to being able to get out and, and do some sport in that program as well, I think it was a really good combination of things to sort of make it a sort of really holistic program. In winter 2019, the City at Work program over, Josh spied the job of his dreams on LinkedIn. Community competitions and special projects administrator with Cricket Tasmania in Devonport. If he was successful, he'd be going home. Fortunately, Matchworks was still there, committed to helping him boost his chances of being a successful applicant. Cue Dave Devlin and a well-crafted cover letter. We said that Josh prided himself on his positive attitude, his energy, his strong work ethic and ability to engage positively with others, that he always enjoys and works well in team environments and that he had a strong interest and passion for sports and has, had played himself for 10 years and had volunteered in admin and coaching roles as well as having studied sport himself. I added that Josh believes it is vital that we make sporting opportunities easily accessible to the whole community because that was part of the job ad as well. So, did Josh get the job? Well, we'll reveal that a bit later in the podcast. For now, it's time to meet another man with connections to Melbourne City Football Club and Matchworks, a champion in his own right, Blake Henderson. My name is uh, Blake Henderson from Melbourne City Football Club. I am the events and operations assistant at the club. I help run match days, school clinics and a whole bunch of other stuff inside the club. So, my nickname is Blakey. One of the players started calling me that um, when I was in the facilities role and it, it just stuck with other players, it stuck with the staff members. The fans somehow got a hold of it and they started calling me Blakey as well. I am definitely living my dream job, that's what I've always wanted to do. Um, and it's like I wake up on a match day going, I'm going to church basically. I'm not, I'm not going to work, I'm going to church. Just as Josh Marshall would play backyard battles with his siblings in Devonport, Tasmania, so too would Blake Henderson. But his passion was soccer, and he played it in Melbourne with younger brothers Callum and Jordan. But in 2010, Blake's life took a devastating turn. On the eve of Australia Day, after pre-season training with reserves at Werribee City Football Club, his world was turned upside down. Came off the park feeling fine, nothing was going on, and I started eating my dinner when I got home, and I just got this thumping headache. So I'm like, oh, I must have not, I've overdone it, I haven't hydrated enough. Um, told my mum and dad, and they said, look, drink some water, have this icy pole, get hydrated, go, go sleep, you, you, you'll be fine. Um, so I took some Panadol as well, thinking that will help, and it just turned out that my eyes wanted to jump out of my head. Um, I was throwing up on the way to the hospital. And um, once they said, no, nah, we need to get you to Royal Melbourne, we knew something was serious. With bleeding on the brain, Blake underwent emergency surgery for a brain tumour. Three life-saving operations followed in just two weeks for the teenager, who also lives with Asperger syndrome, a developmental disorder affecting social and communication skills. I wasn't really aware 100% what was going on because I got thrown straight into surgery, I got thrown into anesthesia. So when I woke up after that, the first thing I said to mum and dad was, happy Australia Day, 
and then can we have a barbecue still tonight? And that was my main priority, but it wasn't until they said, no, I don't think you'll be coming home tonight. I, I started to break down a little bit. And basically, I thought I, my, life, my life was going to be so much different. My mum's one of those people who worries about everything. And my main focus was trying to calm her down. I'm hysterical, but I'm trying to make sure mum was all right and she knew I was in a safe place. And same with my dad. Blake says reality hit at mum Michelle's birthday party later that year when he realised his dreams of playing professional soccer were over. And it was coming up to mum's birthday. I started to break down. I knew, oh shit, am I going to make it to my mum's birthday? Am I not? I was basically told by the neurosurgeon, no getting hit in the head, no running, no getting your blood pressure up because we don't know if this is going to bleed again. Turn around and say, hey, look, I'm going to let you play again, but you can't play high standard competitive four times a week training and again, it's not going to happen. And My thought process was, well, if you're not going to let me play at my standard that I thought I was at, what's the point? Down, but not out. Within a year of surgery, Blake had returned to studies at Cedar College, an independent senior secondary school in Melbourne. Within three years, he had completed a diploma in sports development. With Cedar affiliated with the then Melbourne Heart, in 2010, Blake took up a volunteering role with the club. He'd not just found a new employer, he'd found a new home. Every match day I was welcome with open arms. I wasn't told, no, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. It was, Blake, we need you. Blake, we need you. Blake, we need you. And I felt like I was part of the club. I wasn't some 18-year-old, 19-year-old from Cedar who they have to bring in just to fill positions. And they literally said, this is what you do. This is your little baby. You take it. You run with it. Just passionate, fun, sincere, honest, heart in his sleeve, just full of integrity. He's, you know, he's the most honest to goodness young guy, extremely passionate and just wants to be given a chance and will take it with open arms and try and over deliver and over perform. He's absolutely fantastic. The attitude is, that's what it comes down to, I think, is just what a wonderful attitude. Brad Rouse has watched on with pride as Blakey has gone from a dedicated volunteer to a much-loved employee at Melbourne City, helping run match days at award-winning Amy Park Stadium, even travelling on away trips to Adelaide, Wellington and Perth. Oh, and that moment when Blake found out he had a formal job in 2016? Well, it was like he'd kicked a winning goal with just minutes to spare. I don't remember what day it was, but mum was home and I was just on my computer like I usually am when I'm not doing much. And the phone rang, I was talking to him, talking to him, and then I started jumping up and down after we spoke and mum literally had to grab me and said, what's going on? Why are you so hyper? You're not usually like this. What, something's happened. What's going on? I'm getting paid to work for, work for Melbourne City. I'm getting paid to work for Melbourne City. I'm getting paid to work for Melbourne City. I just repeated that. And she didn't believe me at first. And I said, no, I, I'm starting this week. I'm going out there. I need you to give me a lift because I wasn't on my full ice yet. And she's like, if you're pulling my change, you're going to be in big trouble. To the point where we were still talking about it, my boss sent me... Oh, Ian sent me the message, confirmed me today. I go, no, no, seriously, seriously, look at this, look at this. 
I'm getting paid to work for Melbourne City. Again, Matchworks was there to help support Melbourne City as Blake transitioned into his new role. As a club partner since 2012, the employment providers offer a range of tailored services to confidently orientate employees with disability into a new job. From making sure workplaces are accessible and employees supported by team members, to ensuring access to programs like Work Assist, Matchworks is committed to helping build diverse workforces that allow people to perform at their best. For Melbourne City CEO Brad Rouse, it's not just about the services Matchworks offer. It's also about a meeting of minds, a shared knowledge of the value employees with disability, injury or health condition can bring to business. And we didn't know what it was at the time, but we thought some of the things we're doing in the community and some of the things they're doing, uh, particularly in that employment space, we thought we need to get out respective teams together and brainstorm this to work out because there could be something in one of those situations where one plus one equals three. So by doing something together, we actually may get um, better outcomes for both parties. And it was one of those examples. We don't have any other partners like Matchworks. It's far more about social community outcomes than commercial outcomes. And it's been a, a fantastic success. You, you don't get a better proof point than, than Blakey in terms of such a win-win. So if you look at it, the opportunity for someone like Blakey who may have found it tough to get get work going through the normal channels for for a lot of organizations out there what you get when you employ someone like Blakey is someone the most unbridled enthusiasm the best most positive outlook who's willing to do absolutely anything and will say yes to anything and brings with him such an incredible personality and positive vibe throughout the place what he does for us in return is the unintended benefit I think that uh, organizations need to be aware of that um, someone like Blakey is absolutely fantastic and if you want if you want an incredible culture you need someone like Blakey. Blake tell me what working at Melbourne City means to you. Working at Melbourne City means that I'm a part of something big they're about not what's happening on on the park they're about what's happening off it as well and I'm grateful to be a part of that and I reckon that's what a football club should be about should be about the fans, should be about the community that's around and I'm glad to be a part of it and that's what it means so much to me. I believe that this club could be the way of the future for other sporting clubs. That's why I'm so passionate to be involved with it. And how does working for them make you feel? Ecstatic. Like I, like I said, like I'm a part of something big. It's basically like a dream come to that I'm wanted. I, I'm not just some other person they've brought in to fill a role I'm actually dare to be a part of something big. You've been described as the the heart and soul of the club why is that do you think? To be honest the heart of the club I, I don't see myself as that I see myself as a part of the heart and soul of the club not the heart and soul but from, from what I think from the other like employees' point of view is the rea- reaction I got after the final was sort of the grand final. And I think that's why everyone thinks that. What's this I hear about a, a Blakey chant from the fans? Is that true? What's that? Every time I walk, like, if we've got a halftime show in front of them and I've got to stick behind in the goal because I've got to kick the balls back up, I hear Blakey, Blakey. And, yeah, just stuck and... Nearly every match day I hear that. Or it's We Love You Blakey because I brought their drums out. So 
How does the We Love You Blakey one go? Uh, we love you, Blakey. We do. We love you, Blakey. We do. We love you, Blakey. We do. Oh, Blakey, we love you. <laughs> That's good. And how does it make you feel when you hear that? What do you think when they do that in the crowd? Look, I, I, I'm a humble guy, and when I turn turn up to games, I try to get them to focus on the players because that's who they're here to see. They're not here to see some bloke printing out their, their flags, their banners, their drums. They're here to see the players. And I feel happy that I got my own chant, but at the same time, I would prefer if they do it to players because that's who they, they're here to see. And I, I get shit sometimes from the players saying, oh, the terrace is on fire for you. That, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to get them to focus on the game. <laughs> so it's a bit embarrassing. You're a bit shy. A, a, a little bit, but at the same time, I love it because my parents just go, my mum absolutely loves it. You know, you just need to go and spend a bit of time with Blakey and realise that a lot of the other things are just peripheral and they don't really matter, the politics and all those sorts of things. He's a great leveller, you know. It just brings everyone back to its core of where just, you know, it humanises everything, I think, and that, that's a wonderful attribute and trait that, that uh, Blakey brings to the table. Why do you think that fans resonate with him so much? <laughs> His passion. Um, he's incredibly passionate. He... Truly loves the club, his excitement, enthusiasm, and that he displays outwardly um, are really infectious. And and uh, if some of the fans might be more conservative and they're feeling it on the inside, he's certainly ex- doing it on the outside. He, he's jumping for joy, and uh, they also realise, you know, he is what he is. He's he's not overly complicated. He's got no agendas. He is pure, simple, unadulterated joy that the football brings him, and people love and respect that of him. And I believe he had a go at commentating a game when uh, back when you were Melbourne Heart. How was that? Oh, fantastic. Again, it humanises. It brings it back down to it's someone who's extremely passionate and extremely knowledgeable. Let me tell you, he is knowledgeable. He knows everything about every player and every uh, how they're performing and all those sorts of things. So no mistake, he actually knows the game and knows the club and he knows the opposition. So he's well-placed to, to um, earn the right to commentate but without any formal training what you get is a far greater sense of passion than perhaps you get from a normal commentary team Welcome to Amy Park for round 21 of the Hyundai A-League We're in the Hyundai A-League Power to the Game fan zone I'm Blake Henderson, long time Melbourne Heart supporter Joined by a victory supporter in the commentary box, please introduce yourself, mate. Hey, you guys, I'm Alan Harris, I'm a Melbourne victory supporter. We're here, we're not Fox Sports, we're not SBS, but we are the fans, and that's what really counts. He wanted to jump at the opportunity, and I'm like, it's something I wanted like to see how it was, and I'm glad I got that opportunity to see how commentating is, and I'm grateful for for giving me that. So it was a good night, I had some fun. Uh, but I did miss miss being pitch side. Simon Hill, he was in the next room. Came up and said there was points of the broadcast that we had to turn our mics down because you were there, and they could hear. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Ian Ritchie, first half cross. Hello, shot. It's a goal. Melbourne Heart. It's a goal. Melbourne Heart. Get off of that thing.
Now, Blake, there was an even bigger day for you in June 2021 when Melbourne City won the A-League Grand Final to claim their first ever Australian Championship. Yep. Talk me through that. The nerves kicked in when I walked into the stadium to make sure the equipment was ready for the test, that the person sitting in the National Anthem was practising and as soon as that anthem hit, I just started, oh shit, here we go, excuse my language. And yeah, after that final whistle, I calmed down, I was calm for 10 minutes, but until we lift that trophy, that's when I started going, like my body started saying, we've actually done it, we've actually done it. To this day, I, I watched the game and I nearly have a tear when that third goal goes in again. It meant everything, basically. And what did you do as everyone was celebrating there, as you realised that you guys had won? Who did you go and see in the crowd? The first people, I, I went and hugged with my parents and literally as soon as I saw my mum, I broke down. And there's a couple of photos that I got sent from my mate who I invited to the game and it's just... I cry every time I see it. I'm thankful for my parents because they've sacrificed so much for me. And there was a special moment with the captain, Scott Jamieson, too. They were celebrating with the, with the active and I stood to the side because I'm like, I don't want to get any shots here. It's about the players, about the active. I, I'm going to stand at the side. and He, um, he celebrated and he asked one of my co-workers, um, Wes Blake, and pointed to me and basically ran over I fought like he was going tackle to me to the ground, so I stood my ground and um, we had a conversation. I said, you, you finally did it, mate. You finally did it. He goes, no, we, fi- we finally did it. We finally did it. And me and Scott, like, I'm going to treasure his friendship forever. And he literally said, I'm going to put this medal on you. And I said, no, mate, look, you've, you've had five grand finals. This is your first win. Keep it. I'm not, I, I don't want it. Like... I said there'll be probably another time where I can get my hands on one, but you, you you have this one, you have this one. And I said, go see your young son. It was a similar story for Brad Rouse on the big day. Melbourne City beating Sydney FC 3-1 to claim their historic first title and finish two points clear of their rivals at the top of the regular season table to win the Premier's plate. There was that many things going on, as you can imagine, when you've just won. Suddenly, uh, I was aware, sort of looking straight ahead to my left, there was some something movement running towards me, and I looked, pivoted my head to the left, and it was it was Blakey. It was like a, a, a love movie running slow motion towards me, <laughs> and we well, we literally ran at each other, and uh, and um, just spontaneously, as I said before, there was that much joy from both of us that we just hugged, and you know we shared a few quiet words of it. How good is this, and how amazing it, enjoy it, and um, it was an incredible moment. You know that's what I said before. They're the special. What makes it so special for me when you win is for the people who've been part of the journey with you for a long time. And so what about Josh Marshall from the beginning of our podcast? Did he also get his dream job in the sports arena? Well, in a word, no. At least not initially. Yeah, yeah. So initially I got a, a rejection email. Um, I'd actually just 
it was the sort of first day that I just started another employment skills course as well. So I had received the rejection email, which I'd sort of used to receiving at that stage, but it was a bit, it was pretty flattening, especially when it was a, it was a job that was local to my, to the hometown I grew up in. I was very confident I probably had a strong application and then to get that was really, really disappointing and disheartening. But two weeks later, a surprise text from an old mate. The pair had played cricket together growing up in Devonport. Now he worked for Cricket Tasmania and he had some exciting news. And then, yeah, sort of two weeks later, you sent me a message and said, oh, have you got 10 minutes to chat? And I sort of thought, oh, yeah, I thought he might be following up regarding my application because we knew each other. So I thought, oh, this would be good just to get some information. And then he sort of said, oh, he asked the question of, are you still interested in the job? And I said, yeah, I'm very much still interested in the job. The next few days were a whirlwind, formal interviews on the phone with officials from Cricket Tasmania, followed by an anxious wait. Then a phone call. To get the rejection letter and then finally find out that I was successful was, yeah, it was an awesome feeling. And then as soon as I got off the phone with Alex, I rang mum and then I rang dad and I rang my brother. I just, I, yeah, I just wanted to shout from the rooftops. It was an awesome feeling. I was in a, living in a share house at the time with a couple of my friends and they were they were both at work at the time. So it was, it was a strange feeling to sort of be at home and I wanted us to tell everyone. but um, So I just had to start ringing people. I just went through my f- whole phone book, I reckon. So, yeah. With Cricket Tasmania wanting Josh to start straight away, it was another frantic rush to get back to Devonport. Again, Matchworks was there to help, this time with his airfare back home, all part of the service by the employment provider. It's not just a job and then goodbye with Matchworks. We leave the door open for further ongoing support. It's part of what we do. Quite often we'll buy people interview clothes, help them out uh, after they've started a job with my key cards, clothes, petrol vouchers, those sorts of things as part of post-payment support. And from memory, what we actually did for Josh, because he's going, he had to get get back to Tasmania. Funds weren't weren't fantastic for him, so we actually paid for his airline tickets, and I believe we actually bought him a nice pair of can't remember if they were Windsor Smiths, but a nice pair of shoes as, as well. So they're, they're the sorts of things that we actually do. And for me, play that part in Josh landing his dream job it actually gives me great so- job satisfaction as well. As the saying goes, success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you are doing, you will be successful. And Josh Marshall is living proof of that. From backyard battles to actually working at an administrative level with Cricket Tasmania, he's the first to admit he's thrilled to be bringing a sport he loves to the masses. Josh, how would you finish this sentence? Work allows me to... Work allows me to fulfil a passion that I have. In I love community sport, especially community cricket as I said I've grown up around it my whole life I've been heavily involved in community cricket clubs whether it's been scoring doing the canteen uh on committees all that sort of thing and so I've grown up around it my whole entire life and now to actually be able to fulfill a passion um of working in community sport and sort of uh working with our community associations now to sort of run cricket competitions and and try and better cricket the sport that I love so much is it's just an awesome feeling. How has work affected you in unexpected ways? Uh, I reckon it's given me more confidence in general. It's probably yeah, maybe a little bit more of an outgoing person, having to go out and meet sort of stakeholders and people from all around uh, Tasmania. It's probably made me yeah, more outgoing and sort of have to get used to going to situations, be comfortable being uncomfortable is what that's sort of a thing that Cricket Tasmania say. So I think it, it makes me more comfortable in situations that I am uh, uncomfortable in. 
obviously financially it's been a, a massive help as well um, to be able to buy a car and trying to save up for a house deposit at the minute. Um, I think that's that's another massive plus and it's, it's building a resume as well. And I believe that it's been great to get back to Melbourne on occasion to see your mates from uni. Yeah. Yeah, that's been really, really awesome. It's probably been able to treat them a little bit more who are still living sort of the university student life, being able to get back there and, and look after those friends. And so are the shouts on you? Yeah, they always are. Yeah, yeah, they, they look at str- first shout at the bar is always my shout and then it, it won't normally, <laughs> I'll normally be second or third shout as well. So um, that's sort of how it works now. Dave, how would you describe Josh's story? I actually think it's amazing, to be honest, that, that all those things actually happen for him. There was a lot of interconnectedness with Josh's story, the way I look at it. But for me, it's just a fantastic achievement for Josh. And I I think he really deserves it. He's a cracking young guy. And for him to get a job at that level, Cricket Tasmania, you know, that's one level below, you know, this ACB Australian Cricket Board. So he's operating in a real high-level organisation. He's actually retained that job for two years now, which I think is fantastic as well because I had some worries during COVID for him. Um, And also... I said he's a cracking young bloke. My fear is someone like with Josh is that it's it may take them two to three years to actually get that opportunity. You know, they might have to keep applying, you know, be working um, in hospitality, doing other jobs to actually build their skill base and just wait for that that opportunity to open up. So for me, I just think it's it's amazing how it's turned out. I actually think it's a bit of a fairy tale story for Josh. An impressive and inspirational win, not only for Josh Marshall, but Blake Henderson too. Young job seekers who cross the finish line victorious to achieve their dreams, find a sense of belonging and give hope to others on their employment journey. You've been listening to Breaking Barriers, a new podcast production from Matchworks, Australia's trusted employment specialists. And with 140 sites across Australia, whether you're looking for a job or looking for staff, Matchworks quite simply brings people together. If you've found value in this episode, subscribe and share so we can keep telling these inspiring stories. And for more on Matchworks, log on to matchworks.com.au forward slash breaking barriers. I'm Nat Jones. Thanks so much for listening.